Well, good morning, church. My voice is a little bit stressed. I do, I do apologize. I blame it on the 9 a.m. service. They were very naughty, and I had to yell at them. Just kidding. I just went for it. And with the Holy Ghost, I'm just trusting to go for it again. truly honored to have the opportunity to grace this pulpit. And I want to just take a moment to give honor and and thanks to where it's due. I thank Pastor Alex and Pastor Naomi for entrusting the precious people of God to me this morning and allowing me the opportunity to teach and to sow the word of God on fertile soil as your heart's prepared to receive this morning. Amen. How many know our God is good? Every day, he is faithful. I want to give a big, huge hallelujah and a, a shout to Brett for... See, oftentimes, let me just tell you, oftentimes we take for granted the little things. The little Ricola for your throat. Bless the Lord for precious Tara for bringing me the the preacher's throat-soothing remedy between services. Oh, hallelujah. We got an awesome family here this morning at Oceans. The great people. We're... In full swing of the the holiday season, we just got out of Thanksgiving. I hope that you guys had an awesome time. We're moving into Christmas. What's really awesome about the holidays is you you get together. It's a time of lots of amazing food, um, fun and and games, and also family. Uh, It's a time where you're able to kind of see people that you haven't seen for a while, kind of catch up on old times, see what everybody's been up to lately. But the holiday season is also a time when you look at the people, some of those that are the most dearest to your hearts, and you become freshly aware of the absence of true life and freedom in them, you know? You sit sometimes at the dinner table on Thanksgiving and the person sitting across from you doesn't have what you have. You know, when Pastor Alex had, you know, came to me and, and gave me the services this, this morning, you know, as we do, you cry out to God, you go into a time of sackcloth and ashes, Lord, you know, help me, you know, what, Lord, what? give me some direction, you know, what, what do you want to say to your to your, your church, and it wasn't until Thanksgiving night um, when my wife and I were, were driving back home that, you know, the Lord dropped something in my spirit, and, um, and, he, and he said this phrase, he said, fight for your family, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, that's the title of this morning's message is fight for your family. Anybody got a fight in them this morning? So, with the help of the Holy Ghost, we're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to go to a time in David's life when 
the fight for his family was as real as real can get. And I pray that from his life story, we'll be able to some th- see, see some things that can help us and aid us in the war and the fight for our families. So just to kind of give you a little bit of, of backstory and, and background here, King Saul um, has relentlessly pursued David for many, many years trying to destroy and take his life. And so David finds himself seeking refuge in the land of the Philistines. And so he, he goes there in hopes that Saul will see that he's no longer in the land of Israel and he'll, he'll stop pursuing him and, and, and David will now be, be safe. And so David and 600 of his men and all of their families, they settle in the land of the Philistines. They, they go to the place of Gath who, where King Achish was the king there. And after some time, David had asked the king if it would be okay if David and his men and their families, you know, could move to a, a town in the country rather than being in the royal city. And so King Achish, he granted David's request and he gave David and, and all of the people the town of Ziklag. So David and all of his men and their families, they, they go and they live in this town for over a year, somewhere around about a year and a half. And there came a time when the, the Philistines began to gather and prepare their armies to go into war and fight against the, the nation of Israel. And so King Achish, he actually goes to David and basically tells him that, you know, you and all of your men um, are, are to fight with us in this war. And so David and his men are, are marching with the king of Gath. Um, some of the other Philistine commanders see that it's David and these men, and they get very, very angry and upset, basically saying, well, why are these Hebrews that, you know, are, are, why are they with us, you know, and basically become fearful and suspicious, like, are they really going to fight for us, or is this some kind of sabotage? And they get really angry to the point where they would not allow David and his men to fight with them. So David and all of his men head back to Ziklag. And so that's where we'll pick up 1 Samuel chapter 30, reading verses 1 through 3. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south at Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Church, I want to tell you that just as this war, this battle in the life of David was real, so is the war in our lives real. We are in a real spiritual battle and if, and if you've been serving the Lord for any time and you, you know what it's like to be in this, this war, and it's a war for the souls of men. You know, and, and captivity is, is, is not a fun thing. Anybody ever been held in any kind of bondage? Come on, I think we can all hold, hold our hands up to that. You know, in the Old Testament, if you go and you read through all of these, these stories in the Old Testament, you'll find out that 
you know, captives, there weren't some very nice things that would happen to people that were taken captive. When the, when, when the winning army, you know, when, when they would win that war, they would often take men, women, and children captive, and they would force them into slavery, uh, you know, forced labor. Uh, the king sometimes would have to do horrific and embarrassing things. They would maybe have to, you know, put a ring in their nose make fun of them. They would put them in a cage, put them out by the city gate so that everybody, you know, like put them on, on display so that, you know, people could laugh and, and, and scorn them. You know, people would be put into forced labor where they would have to carry or, or, or pull the, the chariots of the triumphant king. And the list goes on and on and on. And there's some really horrific things, but I don't want to go into great detail given the sensitivity of everything that's been going on in the Middle East. I mean, this is, this is real. So I want to take into consideration that. But see, church, this is, this is the thing is that today, in many families, there are husbands, there are wives, there are children that are enslaved to the power and the dominion of Satan and sin. There are members in our own families that are enslaved at this very moment. Enslaved to homosexuality, lesbianism, the whole gender nonsense and they don't know who they are. Like, are they male, female? Are they a cat? I mean, seriously, this stuff is like, it's hard to even like wrap your head around it. But God called us to live in such a time as this. There are people in our own family that are enslaved to alcohol, drugs, and substances. Gambling, sexual addictions, and the list can go on and on and on. There are people that are in our own family that we know that are consumed with the pursuit and love of money, material things that that's all that their desire is. It's like everything, their whole motive is, is drawn or geared towards obtaining things. But we know that that's frail, that's empty. There are people in our own family that are caught up in the occult. Some dark, wicked arts that they're, at night they're lighting candles. They're doing incantations, availing themselves to spirits to be a medium. Tarot cards, psychic readings, all of that stuff, come on. We got, oh. We got people in our family that, oh, they need freedom. We got people in our family that are like that Gadarene that lives among the tombs, often bound with fetters and chains. We got people in our family that are caught up in other religions, false religions, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Islam, and so on. People that we love and that are dear to our hearts are like vagabonds. You look at them and, and they're just wandering around, have no clue why they're here, have no understanding of the purpose of life, have no direction, they're just... have some of those in your family. 
I do. So I want to ask you, how does that affect you? Does that touch your heart? When you see that loved one at a Thanksgiving dinner and they're sitting across the table and you're here and you're free in Christ and you're enjoying the glorious presence of the almighty King, when you have the assurance that if you were die, to die today, all oh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but the person that, that is sitting across the table from you had, doesn't have that, how does that affect you? Verses 4 and 5 says this, Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices and wept until... until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite had been taken captive. David and his men, they get back to Ziglag and they see that the people that are dearest to their heart are gone. They know they've been taken captive. And so automatically you can, you can, you can imagine their minds are going to that place wondering, are they still alive? What kind of condition are they in? What are they being forced to do and have to subject themselves to do? Did it, did it bother David and his men? Did it move them? Did it cause them to action? What, what happened here? It says that they begin to weep and they weep so much that they, they didn't even have the power to weep anymore. When you think about your loved ones that are living in this world without Christ, if you have that mentality that, oh, it is what it is, then something is wrong with us. If thinking about our loved ones that are living in this world without Christ, if that does not break our hearts, if that does not bring us to our knees, if that does not get us up and moving, something is wrong. I don't believe that we're operating with the heart of Christ. Because he, what did Jesus do? They asked him, why, do, why, do you, why does your master sit with sinners? He said, well, they, they that are well have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. He said, I ain't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. Yeah, I, come to, I come to be in the midst of a people that are in need because I'm not okay with the condition they're in. You see, I'm moved with compassion. It's like Jesus, he said, he said that he saw Israel as like sheep without a shepherd. He came to them. Our loved ones have to do something in our heart. Our heart has to be broken. It has to be soft. I don't know about you, but I don't want my father to go to hell. I don't want my in-laws to go to hell. I want all eight siblings, all six kids in the kingdom of God right beside me. I want all my parents, my in-laws, aunties and uncles, cousins, not just first, second, and third. I want them all the way down to 10 generations, Pastor Brian. I want them all into the kingdom of God. Verse number six says, now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters, but David, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Church, I want to tell you that we got to be 
we gotta, we gotta watch this. We gotta be mindful of finger pointing. We have to be very, very careful that we don't point the finger, begin to blame others and, 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 and do that because there's nothing good ever comes of it. The men begin to blame David for what happened to their wives and their children. They begin to point the finger. You can almost hear them say, well, well David, if, man, if you hadn't brought us to this place, then this never would have happened. David, it's all your fault that my wife is no longer here, that my, my children have been taken captive, that now they're being enslaved in the camp of the enemy. David, it's, it's all your fault. But see, there's something here that you need to see because not only is it the enemy's desire to enslave our family members and things, but it's also his tactic to enslave the ones that can help the ones that are enslaved. That's us, the redeemed of the Lord. You see, who else could go and, and save the women and the children but David and, his mighty, David and his mighty men? So what happens now is, is now the emotions begin to rise up and they begin to take the lead. And so now this wasn't just a sorrow or a sadness that David's men were experiencing because of the loss of their family members. No, it, it, they were angry. It said that they were grieved and that word grieved in the Hebrew, it speaks of being bitter. They were bitter and they were angry, even to the point where they were even, they were even consulting with, with each other. There's like this evil insurrection to go in and try to stone and destroy David. Said they were bitter, and if anybody has ever been bitter, you know that that, that ain't freedom. The book of Hebrews talks about what happens if you're bitter. He said that the root of bitterness will spring up, and what does it do? It causes you to be defiled. So not only does, does the, the Amalekites and the, the, the encampment of the enemy have the, the, the women and the children, but at this point, it's, it's like they got, they got David's mighty men also. And then you can even think about David too. You can think about well, you know, what David might have been going through, what David might have, he, he might have thought it really was his fault. Because I don't, recall, I don't recall reading that David inquired of the Lord to see if it was God's will for him to go and join King Achash you know, and, and the rest of the Philistines to go and fight against the nation of Israel. But, but he went, and while he was gone, the Amalekites invaded Ziklag. So you, you can almost see you know, what David might have been going through, what David dealing with condemnation and guilt and, and shame. And what is that going to do? That's going to enslave him. And, and then it gets, it gets almost to the point where there's this a hopeless situation. Everybody's bound up. Who's going to set us free? You see, we got to be very, very careful about the, the finger pointing. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants us to bite and devour each other. Galatians 5 and 15 says this, says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. God gave us emotions, but we got to be very careful because those emotions must be under the government of the Holy Spirit because if not, and they take the lead, it'll lead us right down to a very, very dark road and a dark place. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This is all too real because this is, I mean, we're just talking about family stuff this morning, right? Come on, y'all with me? Because that's what the enemy will do. 
You'll have, he'll, he'll, he'll put a, a husband against a wife or a wife against a husband and bickering say, well, you're the reason why our daughter is out there caught up in this and our son is out here and he's drinking and he, every morning he wakes up and he's got to tip the bottle. It's your fault. Well, that ain't helping nobody. He'll, he'll, he'll put a parent, a child against another parent where the daughter's mad at, at, at the mom saying, well, dad's not in the house because of you, what you did to him. It's your fault. But again, that ain't helping nobody. First Samuel verses six through eight, uh, 30 verses six through eight says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord as God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered and pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail, recover all. Come on, no matter how bad the situation is, because we're looking at this and this is a pretty bad situation. This is real. But no matter how, how, how unsettling the situation is, somebody has to rise up. Somebody has to put their foot down and has to take action. Somebody has to rise above it all and it's got to effect change. So David is the man that rises up. He begins to now move forward, but how does he do it? This is so beautiful. He does it through an act of humility, an act of total dependence on his God. And he goes and he, and he tells Abiathar, you know, bring me the effort. You know, I need to discern. I need to find out what is God's will and his wisdom in this matter. He, he put his whole dependency on God in the midst of emotions and, and, and insurrection and people trying to threaten his life and the, the missing of his loved ones, all of that. He, he put God back first and sought the Lord. Church, it's important for us to understand that in this warfare, in this battle that we're in, you go to battle without God, you will fail and lose every single time. I'm just telling you, I'm trying to save you a lot of heartache. I've tried it. You will be a defeated person every single time if you try to do things in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own power. But we must rely on God to direct us, give us wisdom. God, I don't know how to handle this particular situation, this child. I don't know necessarily how to, to what to do in a situation with my father because I want to honor my mother and my father, but I want to see them in the kingdom of God. And this is a very difficult situation, but God, I'm trusting in you because I need your wisdom. God, you know exactly what he needs and how to deliver it to him. Because how many know when we step and we take the lead, it all goes downhill. Words come out. Why did I say that? Actions happen. Why did I do that? And the situation is even worse than it was when we started. Why? Because we got in the way. You got to just step back. Man, there's just been something that just really has just touched my heart for the last couple of weeks. And it's something so simple. 
And I just keep saying it over and over and over and with like in these places of quietness. Holy Spirit, I invite you. I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my prayer room. I invite you into this situation. I'm inviting you to come in because I know that without you, I can't do this. There will be no change if you're not in the midst. You are the parakletos. You are the one that comes alongside of me. You are my help. You are my strength. You're my teacher. You are, you are everything. So Holy Spirit, I invite you. That's what David was doing. He's saying, God, I invite you into this situation to take the lead, take the charge. I get out of the way. My men, we get out of the way. Verse number nine says, so David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and he came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. This is powerful because now, all of a sudden, there's been a shift. You see, it, 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 was, it, it went from David and his men bickering, his men even conspiring to, to stone him. There was such a, a picture of divisiveness but now all of a sudden it's changed. And he, and, and, he, and he says, so David went, he and the 600 men. So now there is unity. Something has happened now. Divisiveness has turned into unity. There's, there's agreement. They're together now. What happened? They let God back on the throne. If we want to be effective in warfare, there has to be agreement. And this is, a, this is a powerful principle that I don't think that we as the church, the modern church, I don't think that in, we, we can even really fully grasp it. But in the spirit, agreement is like this unbreakable force. And it's no match for the enemy. And I'm going to show you because look at the words of Jesus. Matthew 18, 19, he says this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He says that if two of you agree, that word agree is in the Greek, it's the word symphoneo. It's where we get our English word symphony. So what is, he, what is Jesus saying? He says if two of you will become one mind if two of you will come into harmony, then what you ask will be done. I don't know about you, but that's reason to celebrate. And that's exactly what David and his men were doing. They were divided, but all of a sudden now they're united. And now when they're in that place of unity, the enemy doesn't have a chance. And neither will he have a chance in our lives or in the lives of our family if we will just touch and agree. I'm telling you from experience, the first three years of, a of my marriage was hell. I absolutely love and adore my wife. But the first three years, man, we had some very difficult times in our family. And I'm telling you this that if it wasn't for having a God-fearing, Jesus-loving, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled wife that I know that loves God, that would stand with me in the midst of this, I don't think we would have ever gotten through it. But you see, we were, we're in our kitchen, and it was like the valley of decision. 
And we're having, we're having to make some hard choices when it came to family. We're saying, God, should we, should we just give up? Tired of this fight. We're not seeing any change. There's nothing, nothing happened. It's just, it's just constant warfare over and over and over and over. And we could have just left. We could have just packed our bags and head to the mountains. The thought crossed our mind. Come on. But then all of a sudden, there's something on the inside of us called the spirit of the living God. And he began to now begin to manifest and bear witness that there are more that are for you than there are against you. And that you can do this. So in our kitchen, we begin to stand there and we begin to make some decisions that we're going to fast. We made some decisions that we're now we're going we're gonna to pray. Not, you're going to go pray in the morning and then I'll pray in the evening. No, symphoneo. Well, my wife and I decided that we're going to do the exact same thing together. We're going to be one mind and be in harmony. We're going to do a fast. Well, what fast, what kind of fast are we doing? And what times are we fasting? We're going to pray. Well, what are we praying for specifically? What are we believing God for? What are the scriptures that are in the word of God that, will, that we can bring before the Lord because he's not a man that he should lie. And he says to bring my word to my remembrance. What scriptures do we have that we can bombard heaven and lay them before the throne of the king of heaven and they on behalf of our family? And so in the kitchen where often people sit and laugh and they eat and prepare meals, we're in there doing warfare making a decision on behalf of our family. It was in that place that we made the decision to fight for our children, fight for our family members. The next day went by, nothing was happening. Oh, but we're still fasting, we're still praying, and then another day goes by, and then still, still nothing, but we just kept on, and we kept on, and we kept on, and, and then all of a sudden, things begin to break, things begin to shift in the spirit, and then we begin to see it manifest in the natural, and then all of a sudden, the things that we long for, the change that our hearts were crying out for, begin to manifest. I'm talking about agreement. So you can see why the enemy wants us to bite and devour one another. He, you can see why the enemy wants you to whisper about this person and gossip about that person and, and rise up and rebel against authority and all of these things. Why? Because he's, he's trying to divide. Why? Because he understands the power of agreement. You guys are being good. I don't know why I'm shouting at you. Verse number 10, but David pursued he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. So David pursued with 400. Remember there were 600, but 200 they couldn't go any further. Church, I'm telling you, when you're in the battle and in the warfare for souls, there's going to be seasons where it gets tiring, where you get weary, where you want to just give up and throw in the towel. I can't, I can't do this. You're not seeing like you're gaining any ground. But somebody has to go the distance, church. Somebody has to be willing to press forward and, and pursue because if David and the 400 had a stop where the 200 couldn't go any further, guess what? They wouldn't have made it 
to the end to see the final victory. They wouldn't have got their family restored to them. I don't know about you, but I want my family in the kingdom of God. And I'm willing to fight for them in the times where I'm, I'm tired and I'm weary and I feel like giving up. I'm not going to rely on my own strength. So in those seasons, what do you do? Where's the strength for the battle come from? It comes from the presence of the Lord. It comes from who's on the inside of you. Man, I, one of the incredible scriptures that God has just totally blown my mind with is, is how the Apostle Paul was in prison. And he, he makes this bold, incredible statement. He says that, that I know this is going to work out through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ on the inside of us is there to supply every single need that we have. It doesn't matter. There's the, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even think by his presence on the inside of us. Ephesians verse 6, 10 and 11 says this. And I love this because Paul's talking about warfare. He's talking about going into battle. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Where do I find my strength to continue to press on and pursue for the salvation of my lost loved ones? I find it in him. The word strong is a Greek word for power. The word power is a Greek word for power. The word might is a Greek word for power. There's three words, and, and they're all three different words in the Greek, and they all have some different meaning, but the, the, the totality of it is this, is everything you need is found there. And dunamo is the ability or the capability to strengthen or power that is stored up within. Kratos is ruling power or dominion. And eskus is the ability or force. I don't know about you, but I think that pretty much sums it up. Where I'm lacking, there, the need is met. And it's not met in my own strength. 1 Samuel 30, verses 16 through 19, he says this. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Man, that's a message right there in itself. He seized the moment. God, I didn't say this in the 9 a.m. because it didn't come to me, but it said that he, that he fought them from twilight until the evening of the next day. It wasn't a five-minute thing. It wasn't an hour thing. We're talking about an intense battle. But when it comes to us, we, we're just now getting into the presence of God in prayer, and we're ready to get out. When was the last time that we travailed? When was the last time that we pressed through and, and spent spend some time in the presence of God interceding on behalf of our family? 
oftentimes we we get into the into the mode of prayer and then all of a sudden now we're thinking about lunch and we're thinking about this and we're thinking about that but we need to be thinking about our loved ones so he attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Are you just happy with some of your family being saved? David didn't just want one of them saved. He wanted both of them. The cross, the work of the cross was for all of humanity. For every single one of our family members. Church, don't settle for just some coming into the kingdom. Don't fight for just a couple, but fight for every single one of them. And I just, I just love this because God didn't call us to war and into a battle with no weapons but he has literally equipped us with everything that we need. Jesus says, all all, all, all authority, all power is given to me, so go. The The very thing that Jesus had, he delegated to us to be able to go. He's already accomplished the work. It's a finished work. But now what does he do? Is he has given us the exousia. He's given us the authority to enforce the laws of the kingdom of heaven into the lives of our family. He's given us the authority and the power to tread upon all those serpents and scorpions, those that have enslaved our family members. He's given us the authority and the power to bring freedom. You see, when you're bound up, man, you can't, it's, it's hard to even make your own decision. You're not in your right mind. But when the chains and the fetters come off, now I can think straight. I can make my own decisions. I don't have to have this voice influencing me. I don't have to have this nagging. I can make my own decisions. I'm free. You want to win the lost ones in your family, you're going to have to make sacrifices. And those sacrifices sometimes are going to hurt because sacrifices hurt. There's some in your family that, 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 that don't like you. There's some in your family that don't like you. Come on now. But love them anyways. Romans 12, 21 says this, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil by good, with good. Keep on loving them. Love them so much their fires, their, their, their head starts getting warm, if you know what I mean. Just keep on loving them unconditionally, and you'll see that over time, something will begin to shift. I remember the, the uh, previous church I was at before, Oceans, we were in Sunday school, and we had this satanic high priest that came to Sunday school, and, and you know, he, he said he had, he'd gotten saved and given his life to the Lord. So after Sunday school, we started drilling him with all these questions. 
you know? And, 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 and one of the questions was like, well, what was it that brought you into the kingdom of God? Like, what, what was the deciding factor for you to, to leave and to renounce all of that stuff? And, 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 and now you're saved and walking with the Lord. And he said, love. Love. Unconditional love. And you're going to have to do it. I got to do it. Even when my flesh don't want to. And I want to hit him with a stick. I want to hit him with a, you know, y'all know what a switch is? Anybody know what a switch is? You want to hit him with a switch and say, you're supposed to be the branch attached to the vine. You want to whack him straight, but you can't do that. Sometimes you just got to love the hell right out of him. If you got a Bible, hold it in the air. If you got an electronic device that serves as your Bible, put it in the air. Do you know what you have in your hand? You have seed. You have seed. You can put your hands down. Jesus tells a parable in Mark chapter 4. Verse 3 basically starts it off and he tells me, he said that there was a sower that went out to sow. And then he didn't leave it for your own interpretation because he tells you in verse number 3, or verse number 13, like what it is. And he said that that seed is the word of God. The Bible is full of seed for you to sow into the life of your lost loved ones. In the natural, like, I'm standing right before you and I'm telling you the word, but even more in your closet time with the Lord, you take the word of God and you begin to declare it. You're sowing seed. You're calling out that family member by name. John, I call you forth now in the name of Jesus. I declare life, abundant life over you in the name of Jesus. I'm searching the scriptures. I'm, I'm looking for every promise. I'm searching the scriptures. I'm finding every scripture that pertains to my life and my family that I can take before the Lord. And I'm, I'm sowing those things in the spirit. It's powerful. And if you guys, if you, we could just catch this. Because it says in the word, it says that as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. What does that mean? That means that as long as the, the earth is, is, is still here, we have the ability to sow and we also have the ability to reap. There is a principle, a spiritual principle that is at work that we can be assured that there is going to be a harvest. I'm not talking about in the physical because we know that I can go and, and plant some green beans and, and you know, and, 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 and three months later, all of a sudden, now I've, I've got a harvest. We see, we see it in motion. I can, I can sow a financial seed and I can see that the principle applies and I can, I can reap a harvest. But even more, I can sow the seed of God's word into somebody's life and I can be assured that there's going to be a harvest. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I got the word of God. God said it. God said it. Does anybody know how to pray in here? Come on, anybody know how to talk to God? Anybody know how to bombard heaven in this place? Do you know that every time that you pray, that's a seed that you're sowing into the spirit? 
But you can see why the enemy wants to keep us prayerless. He doesn't want us to go. He wants to keep us in sin, shut out from the presence of God. Why? Because he understands the power that when we begin to go past the veil into the presence of the Lord, as we begin to labor for the souls of other individuals, we're sowing seeds that will reap a harvest. I'm here this morning to tell you that there is hope. There is hope for those that enter our family that are bound up and enslaved in the enemy's camp. But if you don't sow no seeds, you ain't gonna get a harvest. You gotta put in work. My girls were out on the patio yesterday and I walked by and I saw them and they were just out there just having fun and about 10 minutes later, I walked back this way and there's dirt everywhere. They've gotten into the pots with all the soil and they're out there and they've got, they got dirt caked under their fingernails, cars, toes are black. They were putting in some work, looking for a harvest. We want people to come into the kingdom of God. We gotta pray, we gotta. Wednesday morning, Saturday morning, there shouldn't be an empty seat in the house of God. I didn't come to just give you some nice little message this morning. I didn't come up here just to grab the microphone and just talk. I came here to disrupt the enemy's camp. I come to shake some things up. I come to fight. I come to fight for my family. I come to fight for your family. We come to fight for our families. Now, I didn't just preach about it. We're going to put it into action. But before we do, I want to tell you something. Don't ever underestimate the power of intercession. Whether you, whether you shandai, shandai, whether you just, you know, quiet voice, whatever, prayer is prayer. You got to pray. And as you pray, you put things into motion. Peter was locked up in prison, but the church began to pray constantly for him. They're in the natural. They're gathered together and they're, they're praying, Lord, Peter's locked up. The enemy's got a hold of him. Lord, we're, we're praying for his release. God, we don't know how it's going to happen, but, but Peter's our brother. We don't want to see him like that. God, bring him back. We need your help, Lord. They're crying out to God for Peter. And what happened? Supernatural happened. You see, the Bible talks about an angel. You see, as the church was praying, there was activity in the spirit realm and, and, and angels began to be released and he was brought out. You see, that's the thing we got to understand, church, is there, there is a spiritual realm and it is real as real can get. So my wife and I, this was a couple of years back, some of you um, in DTC, I think I've shared this, but my wife and I, we were in a car and we're, we're, the car's messed up and we're going over to seven, uh, the 17th Street, no, the 17th Street, the old drawbridge. And, and, and we're, we're headed up and we're just like trusting God because like we can't go more than like 30 miles an hour. You know, so we're, we're going up, you know, and, and we get about halfway up and all of a sudden, man, like there's no acceleration. The traffic is all over the place. Like we're in like really, really in a dangerous position. 
So immediately, just out of nowhere, I just say, Lord, give your angels charge over us. That's all I said, Pastor Brian. All of a sudden, the presence of God filled our car. The back end of our car just went. That car went from about 20 miles an hour to 60. I'm not even joking. The presence of God was so strong. I was laughing and crying at the same time. Hallelujah. We got up to the top of the bridge. Just over the top of the bridge, all of a sudden, the car goes back to like 20 miles an hour. We go back home. I'm telling you that when we begin to put the word of God before God Almighty, when we begin to pray and cry out to God, activity in the heavenlies is activated. Psalm 103 and 20. Psalm 103 and 20. I don't have it. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. You see, when you pray the word of God, that's why the enemy doesn't want the word in you. That's why when you go and try to read and study, you start falling asleep. I'm just being real. But when you get the word on the inside of you, when you hide his word in your heart, when you pray, that's what comes out. Just like in the natural, whatever you eat will be what comes out. In the spirit, you put that in you. That's what's going to come out when you're interceding and when you're praying the word of God, when you're praying the will of God, angels are released. You, you don't see it, but it's happening. Why? Because God said it. We're a people of faith. The word of God is what we trust in. God's not a man that he would lie, nor the son of man that he would repent. I can hold him accountable to his word. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm actually still talking. Hallelujah. So this is what we're going to do. As we close out this morning, if you are here and you have a family member that is not serving the Lord, I want you to stand to your feet. You won't be by yourself because I'm already standing. We're going to pray and we're going to intercede. I'm going to pray. And what I, this is what I need from you. I need symphonio. I need agreement in the spirit. And as we do this, there's things that are going to take place. And you might not see the result of it tomorrow or maybe even next week, but you better be assured that there's something that is happening. And we continue to stand in faith knowing that it's coming. We're not settling for just some of our family, but we're calling forth all of them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you, Father. We stand in the gap, Father, for those that are in our families, Father, that, that are enslaved by the enemy, bound up, by the hand of Satan and unable to fulfill their destiny in you. We, the redeemed of the Lord, Father, those that have you brought out by your mighty and outstretched arm, Father, we stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of them for their salvation. Father, we ask that you be merciful to them, Father, for the sins that they've committed. We ask, Father, that you would begin to draw them because you said in your word that if you be lifted up, you would draw all men unto you. So we're asking that by your spirit, you begin to move upon their hearts, that you begin to draw them to the cross. 
We pray that the things, the chains, the fetters, the spiritual bondage that they've been ensnared in, Father, would lose its power now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that their hearts, Father, would be healed, Lord. We pray that they would come into the right mind and we, we come against, Father, the God of this world. We come against spirits that blind, spirits that deceive people, and we come against that. And we bind and break its power, command it to come down in Jesus' name. We pray for the entrance of your word that brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Father, we sow the seed of your word, Father, into their lives, and we call them forth like Lazarus. We tell them to come forth out of their grave clothes. Like the man who was, who was carried by four, we call them forth and tell them, arise out of their sickbed. Arise, take up your bed and walk. Walk out of bondage and into the, the kingdom of God. Father, we ask that you move by your spirit now, Father, removing any obstacles and roadblocks, Father, that have been set up, Father, to keep them out of your will, God, in Jesus' name. For these are our loved ones. These are those, Father, that you have placed us in this family. And so we're asking, God, that you would hear our cry, that you would hear our travail, Father, and that you, that you would be moved with compassion, Father, to send angels, Father, to bring them the freedom that is found in Christ Jesus. Father, we call them forth, God. Not now, but in our, in our own time, Father, we call them out by name. Father, we ask that you give us scriptures that would pertain, Father, to what we're praying for, God. Because these are those, Father. Like David, he said that he, that he fought and he recovered all. Father, we decree and declare that over our lives, Father, we will recover all. All of them, Father, will come into the kingdom of God. And we will not settle. We will not stop at the brook Besor. But we will pursue them and overtake them, Father. Even in the midst of while they're celebrating our family members' captivity, Father. We will labor in the spirit, Father, and bring them forth in Jesus' name. We're asking that it not be done by might nor by power, but by your spirit, by the activity of heaven, God. And just like a seed is sown in the ground, and we don't see it burst forth to the top for sometimes weeks. We know that down in the soil, that, that seed is dying. It is breaking apart and life is coming forth. Father, we thank you that the seeds that we are sowing today and will continue to sow each and every day, Father, we thank you that there is activity in that seed that is taking place, God, and that it will bring forth and produce, God. We thank you and we rejoice in advance for the salvation of our family, God, for our children, for our parents, for our siblings, God, for our aunts, for our uncles, our cousins, God. We thank you for their salvation. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. For you have said in your word that your hand is not too short that it cannot save. So we thank you. We thank you. So Father, I pray that this word and what I've shared this morning, Father, we would lay hold of this. We would just cling to it, God. You would give us the grace to continue the fight for them. For this is your will. For you have said in your word, Lord, that it's not your will that any would perish. 
not one single one, but that all would come to repentance. So we thank you and bless you. And Father, as we close this service, as we go our separate ways, Father, I just pray, Father, that the spirit of prayer and intercession would increase in our lives. For you said that the spirit is always willing, but it's our flesh that is weak. Just like Jesus told the disciples, you said, can you not watch for just one hour? I pray for the grace to watch and to pray and to seek you like never before. We thank you. So bless each and every one and bless each family, Lord. For this is the day of salvation. We decree it. We decree it as kings, as kings, we decree it. And thank you. So be with us as we go. Lead us by your spirit. May you be honored every day of our life. To no other name but in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you believe-